coming up on the final episode of Inside the Oscars. We promised it would be an award show like no other, and oh boy, it was. I'm not going to comment on the amount of rage eating I might have done <laughs> after that award was announced. The gang's all here. We're going to break down surprises, historic wins, the show stopping red carpet fashion, who got it right, who got it wrong, Oh, the 93rd Oscars. And since everybody had very little sleep, I'm looking forward to some loopy fun. Well, hi, everyone. Ginger Z here. We did it. We made it through the Oscars. We got it. The glitz, the glamour, the giant gold skirts that you expect from Hollywood. And now, beyond the speeches and all of the joy and all of the, hmm, what just happens? Uh, we're here. My girl, Janae Norman, she spent the day on the red carpet. I know that she is going to be with us in just a bit with stylist Joe Z. He's like my brother, Ginger Z, Joe Z. We always say that. But anyway, they'll be talking about the bold fashion statements and everything we saw. But first... They are back. The team. Chris Connolly, ABC News Entertainment contributor, the sensational Kelly Carter, senior entertainment writer for The Undefeated, and the exceptional Jason Nathanson, entertainment correspondent for ABC News Radio. You know, I was at a Jersey theater this morning, so I'm like in my heated vest still, dealing with low 40s and a wind. But you all have been in a full-on hurricane of the Oscars. How are you feeling? Plausibly live. <laughs> Somewhat alive. You know, it's a, you know, whenever Oscar weekend is over, you know, your voice is like an octave lower <laughs> and you're, uh, and you're yes. just trying to remember yes. how the nouns and verbs go together. You were so right, Chris Conley. I normally don't sound this sexy, but after the Oscars, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I need some hot tea and a shot of whiskey, I think. Well, after this or during, yes. you can. So let me start. Let's do it, Jason. Did the producers pull it off? Yes, we had an Oscar show <laughs> that they put together. So they pulled it off in that sense and under difficult circumstances, of course, with the pandemic and everything, and also Steven Soderbergh coming in and really wanting to put his stamp on it. And he did. Uh, whether that was good or bad, it depends. That's the eye of the beholder. But they, they, he made it look more like a movie. The frame rate that he uh, brought in made it look more cinematic. And they made a lot of changes. One thing that I really did like was that they gave more room for the speeches to breathe. They cut out a lot of the film clips, which I thought mm, that kind of hurt to lose a lot of those to make room for that. They cut out a lot of the bits. They cut out uh, the pre-recorded stuff and gave room for those speeches. And the speeches are, th are what I think people are going to really remember from Oscars, the 93rd Oscars. Um, but on the other side, they made choices like, you know, changing the order and the best picture, best actor thing, which didn't end up working and gave a very anticlimactic ending. Um, and the the opening, I, I, I felt just really kind of, I didn't need a credit sequence to open the Oscars. Well, you know, I love that. I love that opening. I did love you that did? opening. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that. I yeah. thought Regina King walking yes. was mighty yes. powerful. I love yeah. that. At least on the end, Jason and I finally agree. I mean, <laughs> this is where we can come together. I don't know anybody who's going to disagree with this, but now we can go to it. So let's just start, Chris. Nomadland, we, we knew or we thought most people were pretty sure. So there were things that we definitely knew were going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that was a that was a moving moment, I would say. I think we, I do believe it was thought that Nomadland would win for Best mm -hmm. Picture and that Chloe Zhao would win for Best Director. Those things both happened. 
And I think it's a tribute to the fact that Nomadland is pure cinema. Mm -hmm. It is a pulling together of everything that movies can do. Visually, sound, acting, you know, the use of amazing landscapes, putting you inside a world you weren't familiar with. And I think that's what the Academy seemed to respond to in many respects. If you're asking why they did Best Picture before they did the acting awards, yeah. I think the one argument you could say in their favor is... After the announcement of Best Picture, the people you hear talk receiving the Best Picture Award are not generally people that you have investment in. They are not directors or actors. They are producers. And if you look back at old award shows, you'll see the people who step up to the mic are not people you have big emotional investments in. And so I think the idea may have been to put that earlier because there would be more emotional investment in some of the awards that came afterwards. Um, but as you saw, Frances McDormand, both star and producer, stepping up and in her comments about Best Picture, paying tribute to the production sound mixer on Nomadland, Michael Wolf Snyder, who tragically passed away earlier this year. We give this one to our wolf. Oh! Um, and that was another powerful moment of the show. Maybe done, you know, in a way that people might not have initially understood the context of it, but nonetheless, very much from the heart for Frances McDormand to do that. I was going to say, I thought that they changed the order up because they felt, the producers felt that Chadwick was actually going to win that award. And so they wanted to end the um, the telecast, you know, with kind of this emotional Chadwick ending, especially because it was said that his his widow would not be accepting an award if he were to win that night. Like that would be like an interesting emotional arc to end the telecast on. I could be wrong, but that was the only thing I remotely came up with with a scrambled brain while watching that very anticlimactic ending. I yeah. think that's likely to be true, although I don't have any personal information on that. Yeah. Mm. And, and that's a gamble, like Kelly was saying, they took a gamble on uh, Best Actor and ending on that, and it would have been a beautiful moment. But instead, you get mm. somebody who was not there. And that's not a great way to end the show. And that's a gamble that they took. And I don't know you that you gambled necessarily with the Oscars <laughs> like the that. End. Best Picture is, right, with the end of the show, Best Picture is, it. That, that's the one I think people come to see it, they haven't in the in the past history of the oscars they've changed around the order but the last time that they changed it like this was i think 1972 so it's been wow. 50 years that the yeah. that best picture has ended the show and this was not the year when you're trying to sell cinema and get people into theaters and francis mcdormand's speech and uh, talking about that sure. getting people go to the, go to the theaters to see these big movies that's great please watch our movie on the largest screen possible and one day very very soon Take everyone you know into a theater, shoulder to shoulder, in that dark space, and watch every film that's represented here tonight. And then it, it, the way it ended, just it kind of fell flat. All, all I can say is, if I want to, if I want to, you know, if I have the opportunity to trust a moment of live dramatic television to Joaquin Phoenix, I've got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was an easier choice. Uh, <laughs> 
well, it's funny you say that because when Frances McDormand is making that speech, I'm like, she obviously listened to Inside the Oscars because we were talking and Chris, you told me how upset they would be if I was wearing watching Nomadland on a screen like my phone. And so I was thinking of her saying that, <laughs> of of how how important this part of it is, the gravity of having these films and of having the industry of film. And so I thought that that was very big. At the same time, She's Frances McDormand. She's, she speaks differently. She's not like a classic glossy Hollywood. And so I think a lot of people were kind of, at least in my readings of people's comments and such, they were like a little, maybe not turned off, but kind of like, oh, that was an interesting way when there was so much else going on. Um, because, you know, there are haters out there. <laughs> I think you have to fill in the gaps sometimes when she t talks. Yeah. Like you have to understand that some of the bits get skipped. Mm -hmm. But if you look at and listen closely to what she's saying and you kind of fill in the, the rest, of, you'll you'll hear a compassionate person who kind of understands the world at large, and, uh, even if it doesn't always come across right, that way at the right. podium. But also to your point, Chris, about the, that you made on the last episode about how this movie got made and how her last mm -hmm. speech led to this movie getting made and led to this great Oscars moment. I think a lot of people were expecting more of that and expecting that to happen. Yeah. And I'm sure the producers wanted that to happen. And mm -hmm. you're right. The way the order went and, you know, she gave everything to to Best Picture. And then when it was her time to win Best Actress, we just didn't get the speech. I think a lot of people were expecting. Right. And so yeah. it, it, we'll, we'll talk that. about that because Chloe Zhao winning, you know, Kelly, we were hopeful that be, with two women in the category, history would be made. And it, and it was. Yeah. Double double time. Right. Because not only is she, you know, the the second woman to to win that award, first uh, first woman of color. And that felt pretty good. And I think that, you know, like we said before, she recognizes that this moment is bigger than her and um, that is so important. And I think even more important is that she told a story about um, a non-marginalized community, like a disenfranchised community. And I think a lot of times creators of color often get relegated to only telling stories about people of mm -hmm. color or marginalized communities. Instead of saying that these creatives can tell stories that have universal themes that will relate to other people, that they can direct people who are white people, <laughs> you know, in, in a film. Yep, yep. And what's even more amazing is that later this year, we finally get to see her take on this big budget film, you know, for Marvel with the Eternals. And it's really exciting because female directors don't often get that kind of budget. They don't often get that kind of a look and most certainly directors of color don't often get that kind of a look. And so I think if the fact that she gets to build off of the momentum of this win with her next mm -hmm. project being this $200 million plus budgeted film is amazing. And I feel like, you know, the glass ceiling was shattered, but also more doors were mm -hmm. open and that feels really, really good. That's amazingly put. I mean, that is 100% right. And, and uh, you know, from the very beginning, what Chloe Zhao has done ha has been to listen, you know, has been to listen to voices that aren't heard. And that's been true throughout her career. And to see how she takes those skills and applies them to a blockbuster, is going to be absolutely fascinating. And what she said backstage also, uh, it, kind of elaborating on that, is that she the win is great and she appreciates it and she she appreciates that she did break this glass ceiling but she said she loves to work we have to tell the stories that we feel connected to we shouldn't feel like there's certainly certain type of story we have to tell but but it's a way for us to connect with other people 
That's why I love filmmaking. And if her win means she gets to do more work, and if her mean if if her win means other people like her get to do more work, then that's that's a bigger win than ha- actually having an Oscar statue. And our friend Joe Z told us that she's a really big fan of Harry Potter. So if anybody wants to reboot <laughs> Harry, Harry Potter Styles. and Harry Styles and Harry Styles, <laughs> so uh, I see Harry Styles doing a love theme for a reboot of Harry Potter. I'm in. <laughs> Just all the, the two Harrys. Harrys. The two Harrys, exactly. Watermelon sugar high playing in the background. Oh, I like it. All right. So so let's talk about the we talked about why the moment felt very weird at the end of the show because of the best actor, but let's talk about the actual category uh for Anthony Hopkins winning for the father. I mean, Kelly, who are your sources? Because you're the one that brought this up like you knew. <laughs> you know what? My sources were were other entertainment reporters who were talking directly and anonymously, or or were talking with anonymous voters rather, who were saying that. And this is so interesting because it again reminds you in some cases of a presidential election, and, and maybe even more specifically of the 2016 presidential election, because what people were saying was Chadwick Boseman is gonna win, so I'm going to vote for Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. That kind of sounds familiar, I think, if you think about a federal election that kind of surprised people with the results. Same way with with last night, too. But also, you know, as Chris and I talked about on the red carpet last night, is this body of voters, of which we still are learning about potential changes because we have uh, a broader, uh, we think, a broader, diverse, you know, voting base, is that they love to honor legacy actors, legacy performers, legacy directors. Like they love to give people their flowers mm-hmm. while they are here. And while Anthony was technically, uh, you know, up against uh, uh, an actor who no longer is with us, Anthony also has been giving us content for decades and decades and decades. And also let, let's let's strip away the, what he's given us over the years. And let's just specifically talk about this film. Voters love transformative moments in film and in in the father in one scene alone he takes you through several different emotions and voters absolutely love that stuff something wrong where's Anne? sorry Anne, where is she i'm here quite frankly i don't think that voters are giving oscars away i think they all are earned and i think we should you know be very mindful about saying that and um and and i think that they just felt anthony deserved the Oscar. And quite frankly, he did. But I will say when he released his his speech on Instagram, A, I love that he was in bed asleep in Wales <laughs> while the Academy Awards were happening. But two, he also seemed surprised that he won that award. He paid homage to, to Chadwick Boseman. And I thought he was very sweet and very generous um, in his speech. Very grateful to the Academy and thank you. And I want to pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman taken from us far too early and again thank you all very much gentleman and a scholar i know he is not scottish he is welsh but i thought that was really uh, a special moment too and i and i love seeing uh, that beautiful landscape of wales and the backdrop of him giving that really gracious acceptance speech the next day and there's no bigger power move than that, right? Not showing up yeah. at the Oscars and sleeping through it, <laughs> maybe on a farm with a sheep cuddled up right next to you, and waking up in the morning and realizing you won an Oscar. And it's just fantastic. And I think you're right, Kelly. I think lost in a lot of this, you know, Chadwick should have won, Anthony should have won, whatever, um, is the fact that 
this performance was fantastic. There's mm -hmm. nobody's taking away from the fact that he actually he absolutely deserved it. I think Chadwick Boseman absolutely deserved it as well, and I think that would have been a better moment. And and it just saddens me that he we will not get that chance to honor Chadwick mm -hmm. Boseman with this. But as yeah. I saw so many people talking about yesterday, he he did the work. His legacy mm -hmm. is out there and it's cemented and he doesn't need an Oscar to cement his legacy. I'm not going to comment Absolutely. on the amount of rage eating I might have done after that award was announced. <laughs> you know, I think we're all fans and I absolutely agree that Anthony Hopkins fully deserved everything he got for that performance, which was remarkable. And like, just like Kelly says about a presidential campaign, while I was rage eating, I thought like a political campaigner, I thought, all right, what should they have done? Okay, what should have happened? And, it, and, and in part, I thought I wondered if more of a case should have been made for the quality of that performance. What were you rage eating while you were doing um, this? You know, it might have been a pizza-oriented substance. <laughs> okay. <what> <laughs> I feel like I really needed to know that from, from the jump. You know, it's hard to fit into those gowns before, uh, you know, before you go. And, then, <laughs> and you're always very hungry after. I have so many questions to ask you guys, but we do have to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, though, the wait for Oscar Gold continues for eight-time nominee Glenn Close. However, she was everywhere. One of the most memorable moments of the night. We will talk about it in a minute. I do these promos every morning with anchors all across the country, and I just started asking people in the latter half of last week, like, well, what have you seen? What's your favorite? I was just interested in people around me, and I thought for some reason we had all said that everybody was going to see movies because they were streaming. I don't think I ran across a person who had seen more than one movie of the films that were Oscar nominated. Did you guys have that experience? Yeah, I did. And now, I mean, that's a great that's a great point because uh, same thing. I talked to radio stations yeah. across the country every day, and most of the hosts were like, "I haven't seen any of these movies." And the the point was, they had the most access to these movies <laughs> so of any year. Weird. You didn't you didn't have to do anything. You could just click right. a button and see them. But also, that makes them a, a lot of people that I talked to who did see them said it made it less special. When you put out the effort to go to one of these movies mm. and you see it on the big screen and you have all the, the sound and everything, it feels more like you went to see an Oscar movie. When you watch it at home, it feels a little more like you, you know, binged an episode of uh, Parks and Rec or something like that. You know, if I was watching this show, that's, a, that's a, it's well observed. If I was watching this show last night and I wanted to see one movie that I saw honored last night, I would want to go see Judas and the Black Messiah right now. Mm -hmm. I thought what was shown from that, what the reaction for Daniel Kaluuya, I would want to get out there right now and see that movie because that like just popped off the screen. That was just full of energy and excitement. Also, to piggyback off that, out of everyone who spoke last night, and I'm removing the um, the actual award winners out of this conversation, Laura Dern, how she introduced the supporting male actors was so passionate and it was so respectful and you could tell that she is a lover of the craft i thought it was so brilliant and beautiful the way that she introduced and talked about everyone's role so when she got to daniel kaluuya and she talked about him bringing fred hampton to life i need everybody to be there to me i am a revolutionary i just want to say thank you because with your extraordinary commitment and your endless research, you did, in fact, beautifully get within the man. And I have been listening to you speak of your inspiration in Denzel Washington's performance in Malcolm X. 
and just to say how grateful we are for the inspiration you gave us with not only the role, but the words you shared and the reminder that you can't murder freedom. Thank you. I too was thinking this was my favorite film all season. Maybe I should watch it again based off the strength of what Laura Dern <laughs> just said. It just felt like such... Um, such a powerful moment, I think, when she gave it this incredible endorsement and gave his performance specifically the endorsement that she did. I thought that was really beautiful. And for that, I was okay with not seeing the film clips. And you know, if there was any justification needed for the importance of the live in-person show, the acceptance speeches that we saw in the supporting categories absolutely justified that decision. The energy that people looking at the person accepting the award gave to that moment gave us two really phenomenal speeches mm -hmm. with unexpected yeah. turns and memorable phrases. And that was a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that watching yeah. and saying Ya Jung Yoon and Brad Pitt, that moment for someone who hasn't seen Minari may inspire them to say, you know, I need to see this lady. Who is this? <laughs> I love her candor. <laughs> Mr. Brad Pitt, finally. <laughs> nice to meet you. Were you. Where were you while we were filming in Tulsa? It's very honored to meet you. <laughs> uh, Absolutely, because in the movie, she is such a yeah. spitfire of a character, and it's such a great thing. And then you see her acceptance speech, and you go, oh, there's a. this is maybe subverting expectations that I think some people might have had of the movie. And it's great to watch with something like that. And I think the speeches were the best advertisement for a lot of those mm -hmm. films. Ya Zheng Yun yeah. for, for Minari. Also, a film that, you know, last time we talked about, I didn't think necessarily belonged in some of the categories with Another Round and Thomas Vinterberg, but his speech, mm -hmm. I think, was the best advertisement for why you should go see that movie not only that but what, what what was behind it the personal aspects and the loss and everything that fueled it and that he felt touched and moved that movie you watch his speech and you go oh I want to see what the magic was there that led to this film four days into shooting the impossible happened uh, an accident on a highway took my daughter away someone looking into a cell phone and um, we miss her, and I love her. And Jason, you said it perfectly. It's like if if that had been at the Dolby Theater on a normal, like the music would have been playing, he would have been rushing, you know, it would have been a kind of crabbed moment because they would have been trying to get him off the stage. And so the fact that he got to tell that story just the way he wanted to, and you knew something big was coming and something momentous was coming as he spoke, uh, that was really powerful, I thought. Now, if we, you, you said crab, so it made me think of octopus. And so <laughs> I, was, I was very happy uh, to see some other notable wins and history being made. Uh, Pippa Ehrlich, James Reed, accepted Best Documentary for My Octopus Teacher. Um, and, and I don't mean that, in the, I just also loved that film. But I think we're seeing between Daniel and uh, the documentary of My Octopus Teacher, Nomadland, some of these we kind of knew. Right. I mean, the, there were ones that came up and it wasn't just a night of surprises. I was surprised at that. I will say I was surprised really? at that. I mean, in a, in a weird way, Octopus Teacher was the audience picture moment of the night. Yeah. Like if I had looked at that category, I would say best film is collective. Best character is Fox Rich in time. And so I would have voted for yeah. time. Hmm. Uh, but that was yeah. an audience picture. Like if there had been a movie like that in best picture... The whole thing would have been thrown up in the air because that was an audience picture. And may I say, a lot of people say bad things about Twitter. 
Octopus Teacher Twitter is the best. (laughs) Okay? It is. Is the best. First, the whole round of people saying they didn't thank the octopus. (laughs) And then then people going, shout out to all those octopus teachers working on Zoom all this time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, So you have to have a good time with it. Kelly, we did see the hair and makeup history. So, also something we anticipated and hoped for, but it, it came true. And the Oscar goes to. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Sergio Lopez Rivera, Neil and Jamaica Williams. So I want to say thank you to our ancestors who put the work in, were denied, but never gave up. And I also stand here as Jamaica and I break this glass ceiling with so much excitement for the future. No, that was beautiful. And I loved her speech, hearing about her her um, the journey to Northwestern University and not being able to live on campus. Her was it her father? I think she was talking about and um, and that was relatable. I think to a lot of people. I, I was imagining everyone at home kind of nodding their heads and understanding and agreement. So that felt really nice to see her win and see both of them win. Mm-hmm. And then Jason, can can we just do it? Is number thirteen going to be the one? For Diane Warren, because yeah, <laughs> she's got to get nominated again. But do you think she just goes and starts writing immediately? Like, well, here we go again. <laughs> well, that's that's the amazing thing is that she can keep doing it and writing these songs that get nominated. I mean, it's just it speaks to her talent. But you know, I, I think I, I can't imagine what it's like to go and get your hopes up because I know her hopes are up. We've talked to her, and she says that her hopes are up, and uh, so. I, I think she wants to get that one. And her and Glenn Close, I think I I picture them eating in and out afterwards and just, you know, (laughs) drinking together and having fun. And and I think Glenn Close should have won an Oscar for her dancing. (laughs) I wanted to leave it till the end for that. Yeah, I I was waiting because I was like, we we have to hit it and we have to hit it hard. I I saw that on every Instagram page this morning and I could not have been happier. I want to be her when I grow up. That's it. Wait a second. I know that's the butt. Yeah, it's the butt. I know that. The butt was. Wait a second. It, it was a classic song by the great Washington, D.C. go go band EU. So, yeah, and shout outs to Sugar Bear and the whole, the backyard band and the whole DMV. So, anyway. Um, but. What was fantastic was when she stood up <laughs> and actually did the butt. Do you know the dance though? Do you know how to do the butt? Quick, turn up. Come on, let's see. Let me see you do the butt. Let's see it. I didn't think I could love Glenn Close anymore, any more than I already do. And and Chris Conley knows how much I love Glenn Close anyway. Um, but when she stood up and performed a dance to a song, quite frankly, that is an HBCU, you know, soundtrack anthem of a song, it it endeared me to her even more. And Glenn, if you guys did not notice on Twitter, is invited to every Black People's Cookout now because of it. <laughs> <laughs> And and keep in mind, this was a woman who just lost. Yeah. So she was going yes. through all the, whatever roller coaster of emotions that that entails, and yeah. she gets a, that's why her performance is was the she deserves an Oscar or an Emmy, whatever we can get her for that performance, she deserves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So beyond Glenn Close's debut and beyond uh, the ones that we've spoken about, is there a final thought or a final memory that you will hold from 2021 93rd Oscars? 
Daniel Kaluuya talking about his parents consummating their relationship and resulting in him being alive and his mother's reaction to it. Like, it's incredible. My mom met my dad. They had sex. It's amazing. Like, do you understand? I'm here. You know what I mean? So I'm so happy to be alive. So I'm going to celebrate that tonight. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe he was doing a service to children who've been, been embarrassed by their parents everywhere by, you know, returning the favor and embarrassing his mom on a very global stage. I thought that was really funny. But also, I loved hearing him talk about the Black Panthers and the significance of that role, Fred Hampton, in the moment. I thought that was really great. One thing that I hope continues through into the next ceremony, and I know there, there's, there are going to be new producers, they're going to try to reinvent the wheel as they can. A lot of things didn't work for me during the show, but some things did. And the one thing that I think that worked better than anything were the acceptance speeches, was the making the room for those speeches to breathe, to not get played off. And everybody got to say their piece. And it wasn't just a list of thank yous. It was heartfelt stories. Um, some were too long, but that was fun too. Uh, and I hope that continues into next year. Promising Young Woman is a movie that means a lot to the people who love it. And so to see Emerald Fennell up there feeling the emotions of the moment, fighting the emotions of the moment, you know, this wonderful combination of joy and a kind of surging emotion was a very powerful way to start. All I can say is trying very hard not to cry, which is very difficult as an English person because I don't cry ever. Um, and that's what we love in an Oscar speech. And, and just like people have been saying, to give it the extra 30 or 45 seconds or 90 seconds makes all the difference in terms of really understanding what's in the heart of somebody who's getting uh, an honor that he or she may have dreamed about all their lives. And I felt it in that moment. I think that was all well said. Thank you all so much. Please go get some sleep. I know I you all are faking it well, and I appreciate your time and your energy very, very much. I hope this is it for you. No? It's not for me. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, we'll go follow no. Kelly and Jason and Chris on everything else they're doing today. No. Thank you, Ginger. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. And thank you all so much. I'm so grateful that I got to do that with the team. I, I learned a lot. And after a year of all of us stuck at home, uh, the stars went all out with their Hollywood glamour. And Janae was there spending the day in her Oscars best. She, uh, If you did not see the photos, the dazzling black with the gold applique, the high neck gown, making a quick change then, the off the shoulder ruffled purple dress. She couldn't look better. And she was not the only showstopper on the carpet. Hey, Janae. Hey, Ginger, thank you so much. You're so sweet. Yeah, we had so much fun on the red carpet yesterday. It was definitely different than the first time I was on the Oscars red carpet back in 2019. The crowd was a fraction of the size as it usually is, but the fashion this year, just as glamorous and chic as I have ever seen it. And if you don't believe me, stylish Joe Z is back. He was out there with us all day yesterday. Joe, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast to recap all of this year's remarkable fashion moments. So let's kick things off with the men because, I mean, we knew that we talked about this yesterday, that men aren't just doing the standard tux anymore. Some of the men really brought it yesterday. I, I mean, I absolutely agree with you. I think the crowds were a bit more subdued on the carpet for sure, but nowhere was the style subdued. And I have to say, it was really stellar last night. I mean, let's look at someone like Coleman Domingo. I mean, wearing a yes. hot pink, hot pink custom-made crystal embellished Versace suit, literally 
head to toe hot pink. So it wasn't just a touch <laughs> of it. It was all in. And, and I have to say, and even like someone like Leslie Odom Jr., when we saw him from afar, he was yes. shimmering. He was shimmering mm -hmm. like an Oscar. <laughs> we said he looks like an Oscar statue at <laughs> himself. I mean, he really did. He really did in that sort of custom Brioni suit. You know, it was so incredible to see that because I think you always see the ladies really doing all of these really strong trends. And I am so excited that men are, you know, also in the game with here. Completely. And speaking of Leslie Odom Jr. in that shimmering gold, we saw a lot of gorgeous gold gowns yesterday. So that was another trend with women showing off their post-quarantine abs and showing off their bodies. Like they looked amazing. Oh my God. Did you, would you have ever believed that midriffs or crop tops would have been a trend right? as the first real red carpet? <laughs> but no, I, I, you're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, I think some of the gold was so beautiful. The Valentino gown on Carrie Mulligan for sure. And was so voluminous. Like if you were actually watching yes. the award ceremony, she took up the whole banquette. It was very <laughs> cool. But Andrew Day, and you know, she's always such a, uh, you know, stylish statement on the red carpet anyways, but in that Vera Wang gown. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I just love all these ladies sort of reinterpreting. And there's always such um, a controversy about people wearing gold to the Oscars. Like, should they, shouldn't they? Will it be a jinx or will it be a blessing? Yeah, and I mean, the women who wore it, the people who wore it yesterday looked fabulous. We also saw some really stunning white gowns like Viola Davis. Whoa. Oh my God, Viola Davis was wearing an Alexander McQueen gown and you have to look at it. I know you're listening everyone, but if you Google the picture, <laughs> the, the handwork on this dress, the bodice, it is yeah. hand cut out every single little detail. So while it's stunning and beautiful, you see in a picture, it is the work in it is remarkable and so, so gorgeous. And of course, first time nominee Maria Bakalova in that beautiful uh, Versace gown. I mean, she really, I, I heard her stylist on, uh, saying that she wanted her to look like Grace Kelly and I think she actually did that. Also, you have to talk about the red on the carpet because that was a big color too. I loved it. Uh, Amanda Seyfried, can we talk? We yes. said she was going to make a statement. And, <laughs> and she did. Oh, she was hot like fire. Um, she looked beautiful, our Bonnie gown. And of course, Reese Witherspoon wore red as well. And she looked stunning. And Angela Bassett, when she oh my came gosh. on, oh my gosh, when she came on the stage, I mean, my husband and I were literally like, Jaws on the floor. She looks stunning in that gown <laughs> yes. with, with the sleeves and everything. And again, red on the carpet has always been sort of an old school debate about whether you should wear red on a red carpet. But I mean, clearly these ladies are proving them all wrong. <laughs> Completely. Now, there was also some comfort. Um, I know you and I were both standing together when we saw <laughs> Chloe Zhao in sneakers and we said, Yep, we knew that Chloe was going to do something special, and it was her night. Chloe, oh my God! Well, yes, let's give it up to her first of all for <laughs> yes. making history—the first, you know, woman of color, the first Asian woman to win Best Director, and only the second woman to have done that. So already, she's shattered a lot of barriers with that. But I mean, she also showed up in sneakers with her Hermes dress. Yes, that is her personality. Those sneakers, and can we talk about Questlove in gold yes. Crocs? Crocs, Crocs, no less, but yes, gold Crocs. <laughs> On the Oscar red carpet. I don't even know if I would wear Crocs like at home. <laughs> and I, I saw this and I was like, you know what? Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Questlove, you win in this round for sure. <laughs> Completely. I mean, when we're talking about people winning her, I mean, she actually won, but her outfit, her, Laura Dern, and oh my gosh, Regina King. When Regina King came on the screen, I said, you better go, Regina. And my son was like, what do you mean she can't hear you? Because he's three. But I was like, look at her. They looked incredible. Incredible. Well, I always loved Laura Dern. And she was so beautiful with all those feathers and yes. everything. Her, 
Oh my God. I saw her performing her song and it was so beautiful and it was so exciting already. But for her to win, that was great. But mm-hmm. Regina King opening oh my the gosh. ceremony. And yes. I really had no idea what the ceremony was going to be at all. But mm-hmm. that long yes. single camera shot walk. And I was like, I'm sorry. Wow. Like, forget <laughs> Beyonce. I was like, yes. <laughs> she was. She was like a floating mermaid in that blue dress by Vuitton that was just literally gliding with with those with the sharp shoulders. I, I have to say, wow, what a great way to start with her. And as she kept walking, the strut kept getting much more, you know, know. pop. It was like, Powerful. I was like, okay, yeah, oh, make it your runway. I thought she looked great. What a wonderful way to start the show. Joe, last time I asked you for your favorite Oscar look of all time, maybe it wasn't fair, but you had essentially no answer because you had so many. Surely you have got to have a favorite from this year's Oscars. Oh my gosh. Well, I have a lot of different favorites for different reasons. I will say my absolute favorite was Zendaya. I thought she looked beautiful, beautiful in that neon color, you know, with her midriff showing in that Valentino dress, but I don't know. She was beautiful and just shining, you know, ear to ear for me. Joe, thank you so much. We, I had so much fun with you on the red carpet and it is just always a blast to talk to you. Oh my gosh, I loved it too. Same time next year? Yeah, <laughs> let's do it again. And Ginger, I, <laughs> Ginger, I'm jumping on a plane now to head back to New York, so I will see you soon. Thank you so much, Danae. Safe travels. You know, you can get all the best red carpet looks, including Janae's, because I feel like she was one of the stunners. You can get it all in one place. It's just GMA's Instagram account. And that is a wrap. Kind of sad. Inside the Oscars is over. But if you liked what you heard, it's not too late. You can still show us some love. Just put a five-star rating. Super easy. Just all the way on the five stars. And if you really liked it, let us know. We could do more shows like this here at ABC. So share your feedback, write us a review, and I promise we'll read them all. In the meantime, check out Oscar.com and ABCnews.com for more Oscar news. Thank you so much for listening. Inside the Oscars is a production of ABC Audio, produced by Matt Wolf. Our executive producer, Liz Alessi. Special thanks to Josh Cohan, Trevor Hastings, John Green, Taryn Hartman, Beth Mullen, Carrie Strasberg, Elizabeth Russo, Hel Areno Thiel, and Stacia Dashishko. And a big shout out to ABC's entertainment booking team. Cleo Andriades, Monica Escobedo, and Eric Jones. Our legal and standards partners, always keeping us right, Ian Rosenberg and Kimberly Brown. And thank you to the Academy. Ha, I always wanted to say it, now I have several times, and I feel like I've almost got it out of my system. This has been Inside the Oscars, and I'm Ginger Z.